skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like being in love with a friend, when the next girl reaches the benefits of your hard work, and heartbreak. <laughs> but before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed in any way to give people advice on anything. Right. We are just two fools moving through life, <laughs> making decisions as best we can. Um, you're not going to agree with all of our advice. You're not going to mm -hmm. agree with all of our opinions. Um, we, we are not perfect human beings. And therefore our advice is incredibly questionable at times. Please. <laughs> and more importantly, like we have no training or qualifications that make this advice like any better than like your local, uh, mental health <laughs> or relationship professional person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Your, your mental health provider is significantly more qualified than us to be giving yes. out advice. Yes. So please so seek please, them out. <laughs> yes. And please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode one motherfucking hundred, Sam. That's crazy. 
That is. Can you believe? Uh-huh. Uh, yes, I can believe. <laughs> <laughs> I just like sat with it for a moment at 100 episodes. And you know what's interesting is that I think we hit 100 episodes a, a while back because of our Patreon. Um, if you subscribe for as little as $5 a month, you can get an, an additional episode every week um, in which we dive into extra topics and um, answer questions. Um, Yes. So I think we hit a hundred before that, but I cannot believe that we have had 100 primary episodes. Um, it just seems like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think, what are there? 52 weeks in a year yeah. and we will, we have our two year anniversary coming up in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that makes sense given like a couple breaks here and there. And, uh, Yeah. A hundred. Congratulations. Way to go. Congratulations. Let's celebrate the quantity, not the quality. <laughs> I think they're great quality. What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, to celebrate our um, apparently like poor quality podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, we are going to have a two-year anniversary live show happening on the actual anniversary of when our our first three episodes came out. Um, It is uh, Saturday, July 18th at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, It's going to be live streamed through YouTube, and you can get your tickets at JustBreakUpPod.com. It's only $5.00. And all of our proceeds are going to be donated to the Loveland Foundation, which is the foundation that we shouted out earlier um, about a month ago that provides therapy, uh, free therapy for black women and girls across the country and other fellowship opportunities like that. The foundation is amazing. It started by Rachel, Rachel Cargill. Um, so you should definitely check out that foundation and that wonderful woman. Um, but we're going to donate all of our proceeds to that organization. And um, this show, I, I shouted this out on our social media. This show is actually our birthday um, live show renamed rescheduled um, because we ended up postponing our birthday show because uh, it just didn't feel like the right time to celebrate. And we wanted to use that time more effectively to reflect as allies and community members. So if you bought a ticket to our June um, birthday show, uh, you know that that show has been postponed. Um, This is just the same show (laughs) moved and renamed. So if you have, if you already have a ticket to our birthday show, you are all set. Um, You'll be getting a link to the live stream 30 minutes before showtime on Saturday the 18th. Does that all make sense? Did I explain that well? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Cool. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited. I... I look back on my career as a artist, as a like a self-employed creative person, and just breakup is by far something that I'm most proud of and most near and dear to my heart. And and that probably has to do with the fact that um, two things: I love the people that I get to work with, you and Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, three things really: you and Spencer. Um, our listeners, I think our listeners are so special and so meaningful to me um, and to us and to the to what we're trying to put out into the world, who we're trying to be. And 
The third thing is I, I think I'm most proud of the podcast because even more than like my poetry career, this podcast feels like the most authentic. And I think that's, that's all what we're all trying to strive for in life, right? Is, is feeling like ourselves in one way or another. And mm-hmm. uh, even when the podcast stresses me out or even when you and I don't know what to say or when we give advice that we re- regret later or, or anything like that, I, I feel like I want to honor us for being ourselves and having the courage to try to be ourselves in front of a large venue of people. Um, I think that's something worth commending and I am so grateful to do this work with you. And I'm so grateful to our audience for creating this space and for creating this community. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. That's where you're going. And where, what I'm going to is I was Googling what other podcasts did for their 100th episode and then realized that there are Reddit threads about (laughs) podcasts like my favorite murder where people just dissect everything that they say and i was like oh my god are people doing that to us turns out they're not so (laughs) we're good (laughs) okay good um so literally they're like oh my god can you yeah can you hear you can hear karen like smacking her teeth and i'm like jesus christ those poor women like leave them alone Um, if y'all aren't to going back to my thread to our community, <laughs> if y'all aren't a part of the just break up, um, private group on Facebook, check that out. Some really amazing community building is happening there. And I'm so proud of it because, um, it's, it's emulating what I've always strived to do as an educator and never fully was able to accomplish. And let me break that down for like one second. Um, as an as an educator, uh, when I was younger, I always felt as though I, I struggled to um, draw the line between like um, supporting my students and um, giving them the tools to support themselves or each other, right? Like I, I work a lot with high school writers and in the past I've struggled from like, I, I questioned whether I was, I was my support was enabling them to like help themselves out in the world outside of my classroom. Does that make sense? That, mm-hmm. that, um, so what I love about the just break up pod, um, Facebook group is that they are having conversations that you and I are having on the podcast with each other. Like it's so charming and so wholesome and so vulnerable. Um, it's people come on there and they say, Hey, I just went on a first date and I got some red flags. Like, what do you guys think about it? And then there'll be like anywhere between three and a hundred comments <laughs> of people just like giving their feedback and like, and, and supporting each other. And, um, you know, gently calling people in and trying to be trying to navigate this thing called love and life. And I'm just, um, I feel really proud that our community members are cultivating within that within their circles. So just shout out to our listeners, like for the 15th time already on this episode. (laughs) It's like, okay. Yeah. Love it. I love our listeners. I love that we're at 100 episodes. I think, you know, you and I have talked a lot about how much this podcast means to us. Um, So I think it's great to be in this place and it's great to see the community that, um, that you all are creating as part of this podcast continue to grow and thrive. So just thankful for all of you and for helping us get to 100 episodes. Yeah. So uh, that's our check-in topic for today is just 100. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, like, I don't know how many things, like, what's another thing you've done for a hundred, a hundred times that you wouldn't, that you would be surprised at, not like brushing your teeth. Um, although if you brush your teeth just a hundred times in your life, I would be surprised. <laughs> that would be not great. Uh, just given my age. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. I feel like I have, I, know. I either do things a million times like every day or <laughs> like 10. one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, that's funny. Um, okay, cool. Well, w- I think we're going to talk a little bit more about like the idea of um, our anniversary and what anniversaries mean to us and what the upcoming year will look like, what goals we have um, at our anniversary show. So uh, you can join us live Saturday night on uh, Saturday, July 18th at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. And you can get your tickets for that at justbreakapod.com. It's going to be super fun and people should should buy tickets and check it out. I, our last one was really cool. Uh, and oh my I thought God, what the was last great one was so much fun. Was like how many people were commenting on the actual like YouTube stream. <laughs> oh yeah. Willow was watching it and she said that was like half of the show is like half of it was listening to us, but the other half was like watching people interact with Spencer in the comments and stuff like that. <laughs> it was really cute. Um, okay, cool. Let's get into some letters. All right. Our first letter comes from abroad, broad, who's writing from <laughs> the void. Abroad, broad, like yeah. abroad that is abroad. 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 Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's abroad, abroad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're idiots. <laughs> I recently moved abroad right before the pandemic to start grad school overseas without any friends, partner, or support network. Being on my own has been really hard, but also surprisingly easy to adjust to. I was a neglected latchkey kid and only child, and I moved around a lot as a kid, so I never really formed stable friendships or relationships until very recently. I think being queer is a part of it. Because of the work I do, I'm in a STEM field, and because of my very traditional male hobbies... I don't meet many women or queer folks, and when I do go into the traditional queer spaces, I find it really hard to integrate because they're usually much whiter, middle class, and educated and academically educated than the people I've typically been surrounded by. Mm. I'm also a first-generation immigrant from a very patriarchal culture with with restrictive gender roles, so forming connections within my own community has always been painful and really hard. A lot of things changed when I moved. I had identified as bi for years. Now I think I might actually be a lesbian and or even non-binary. I don't know. It's terrifying. I'm scared. But I fell in love with a group of folks here who are honestly the kindest and most supportive people I've ever met. One woman especially has been particularly welcoming to me, and I can't believe how lucky I am to have met her. We have a really different life experiences, but somehow completely get each other. When I'm with her, I feel seen in a way I haven't in years. She's the smartest, funniest person I've ever met, and she inspires me every day to be better and truer to myself. I've started doing creative work for the first time in years because she's inspired me to do it. It sounds trite, but in a few months, the friendship has already changed my life. You may say, sounds like you have a crush. You're right, I think. I can't wait for her to log on so we can chat. I can't wait to see her again. When we do anything creative, her opinion is the only thing I care about. And lately, she's been turning up in my dreams. Physically, I'm attracted to her too, though I'm generally just a horny person, so I feel like this doesn't matter as much. She's married, and I love her wife and would absolutely never do anything to jeopardize the relationship, and I don't plan on acting on these feelings at all, but also I don't really know what they are. I've just, I felt less for actual partners I've had in the past, and Mm -hmm. it's just, 
Is it okay to have these feelings and just sit with them? Am I being shitty or dishonest? And since I'm single now and starting to date or was before the pandemic, will I ever find someone who makes me this excited to get up every morning? Any advice you have for me would be amazing. I don't want to fuck up this friendship, but it feels wrong to be this happy. Love, Broad. Mm, great question. Um, yeah. You're right. You you have a crush. <laughs> but it's but it's more than that. Um and I think I why we picked this letter particularly is I I like the idea like the very blunt question like is it okay to do nothing with these feelings? Which is particularly mm. important when we consider um that uh, crushes on people who are in relationships. You know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. that is you have to kind of like make the decision to entertain and potentially change not just the friendship, um, but the dynamic in the friend group or the the pre-existing relationship or figure out a way to sit with them. And I think that's a, a question that a lot of our listeners can relate to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have, I'm sure that you have had crushes on people who are in relationships. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes have you have you not that was that was that was so funny the way you phrased that i want to like re-listen to it you're like i'm sure you have sierra sip Mm -hmm. your tea and yes Mm -hmm. that is and i know you're referencing like something very specific (laughs) but no i'm also just saying like i'm sure you have because like all of us have right like i was gonna be like have you done this but it was a stupid question because like Yes, obviously I, the answer is yes. <laughs> I I get why you said it that way now. <laughs> because I thought you were going to be like, well, we've all experienced this. This is when I experienced it. And instead you were like, and you have. And I was like, yes. Um, okay. So tell me about your experience with um, being um, into somebody uh, who was in a relationship. Were you friends with them like this? Uh, yes, I was. Um, and I think I had never really actually met their partner. It was just sort of like, oh, this person is in my life. Um, and I know that they have this partner, but I've never seen them before, which I think actually like made it, made it harder because I was like, this like amorphous person doesn't exist. They're not real. Um, (laughs) I can definitely make out. Yeah. Right. But it is, um, it's hard because it's like, wow, if only this person were single, we could totally be together and it would be amazing. Um, and it's easy to like jump to that conclusion because you don't know anything else besides just like this idea of this person that you've created in, in your head. Like it's easy to romanticize a relationship that hasn't happened yet <laughs> mm, because you don't have to real. deal with all of the like realities of of the difficulties of being in relationship, right? Right. And I think it's possible to lightly romanticize someone who you actually genuinely very, very much love. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. what's happening in Broad's letter is that like this person is as genuinely good or appealing to you. Like your, your subconscious isn't lying to you, but Sam's Mm -hmm. right. Um, we have an, I, it's very easy to call someone your soulmate when you've never actually been with them. Like, (laughs) right. I don't know. I can count on like one hand the number of people in a relationship, a happy, sustainable one in which they call their partner, their soulmate. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's almost exclusively a word that we say to like people we've just met. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure that's not true. I mean, like I could, uh, I could 
argue something about Willow and I or whatever. I just don't use that word. But um, I think you make the great point of like, we, it's easy to put somebody on a pedestal when, we're, when they're not down in the dirt doing the work with us. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have had crushes or like even bigger, bigger than crushes, I would say, which is, I think like broad has like a capital C crush or like a, a legitimate desire mm-hmm. for someone like it's not to not to simplify it with the word crush um so i have had like a crush or a legitimate desire for somebody in a relationship whom i was close to as well and um for me it was just about like doing that uncomfortable head and heart work and sitting with the fact that i am an adult now <laughs> <laughs> and and know that my actions have consequences and that probably actually even more importantly, and this is probably just specific to my situation broad and maybe not yours, but like I had to sort out my understanding of desire being equated to my value. And for me, I had to sit with the fact that like, why don't I feel as though, why can't I just love this person wholly and feel affirmed by their friendship? Why do I need, Mm -hmm. why do I crave like a bigger affirmation from them physically, sexually, um, emotionally? Uh, And so I had to kind of sit with that, that I had been trained with my upbringing, um, with my relationships that I was only as valuable as some, as much as someone desired me. Um, and being, having a serious crush on a a close friend made me question that understanding in myself and like, have to kind of like unpack it. Yeah, I think that's real. And I also, sometimes when I would have crushes on people that I felt like I shouldn't have crushes on, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, I would sometimes ask myself is like, is this real or is this like a product of my loneliness? Right. Mm. Um, and I would have to be like, I would have to like take it to the next logical step of like, okay, so I have a crush on this person. And like, apparently this is the person that I really want to be with. Like, what does that actually look like? And is that something that's worth the effort? Like, is that something that is worth the heartbreak? Like, am I sure enough of my feelings for this person that I would want to, make them known or like try and break up this couple or like put this person in this position. And it sounds like you're not going to do that broad, which I think is great. But I, that helped me, um, start to rethink my feelings even, right? Like, even if I knew, even if I was not going to do anything about it saying like, okay, well, where are these feelings leading me to? Um, and how do I decide like, no, I think I, I want to pour these feelings into a different person. And even mm-hmm. if that person doesn't exist right now or isn't in my life, um, doesn't mean that like, I, I, I have to give them to someone, right? Like I, it, I can hold these, I can find a place I can like sit in my loneliness and be like, yeah, it's really sad that I'm lonely right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that I won't, I will be lonely for the rest of my life, right? There will right. be someone that I can put all of these feelings of affection and excitement into who's going to be able to reciprocate them. Yeah. And I, I love everything you just said. Um, and I would add to it and say that there is a particular sensation, um, that we have, that, that, that becomes a little bit addictive 
that is unrequited love, right? Mm -hmm. The feeling of, oh my God, these emotions, it's almost as though when your emotions are unrequited or, or not returned by the other person, or even not said out loud, they, they become more powerful and they, and then Mm -hmm. we conflate that with them being stronger emotions. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like not being able to say those emotions out loud, um, makes our subconscious think that they are bigger and more weightier than and more passionate than we could ever imagine. And therefore we have to tell this person how we feel or whatever. And part of the part of that um, unpacking is recognizing that our subconscious loves to to dramatize things or to make things mix the things into like small little soap operas, <laughs> you know, and that's just what our subconscious does. There's no shame in that. There's no judgment in my commentary on that. But like, I know from me having an unrequited crush actually feels like a small amount of torture. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's because of the unfulfilledness of it, the, 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 the weightiness that comes with that. Um, but I had to learn what my authentic feelings were through the small the smoke or the fog of that unrequited drama if that makes sense um mm-hmm. yeah but to broad's question which i the original question which i really love is is it okay to do nothing with these feelings absolutely um <laughs> that uh, and this is something i had to learn broad that I am not my less authentic self if I keep things to myself. I used to think I had to share everything with everyone. I used to think that Mm. that was the only path to authenticity was to be wildly cut open at any moment to expose all of my inner feelings and inner workings. But authenticity is acknowledging your feelings and making the smart, healthy, sustainable choice as to what to do with those feelings for the life that you truly want. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you are not at a point where you want to risk this friendship, this friend group, this pre-existing relationship to vocalize your affections for this person. That all being said, like it sucks. It sucks to be in this position. It sucks to to love and to want somebody who is unavailable. That is a terrible feeling. But that feeling, <laughs> like, that's not, that feeling won't, isn't what's going to change in this scenario. What's going to change is your relationship to your feelings. Mm. Yeah, that's real. And I think, you know, you, uh, you can't control the feelings that you have, right? We can do head and heart work to, to decide how we respond to things differently, but like your feelings for this person are your feelings for this person. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. not, there's no, is it okay or not? Because like there's that, that implies that there's like a level of control in them. Like you have a crush on this person. It, it's not like you uh, made the decision to say like, oop, this is the person I'm going to develop feelings for them. Right. right. Like this person came into your life um, and seems really compatible with you and seems really awesome. Um, so it's, yes, it's okay to have these feelings as it's okay to have all of the feelings that we have. Right. But our, the question is, and I think Sarah and I have talked about this is like, what do we do with those feelings? And sometimes just sitting on them is good. Sometimes telling them to a friend or a therapist to like give them a little bit less power is also good. Um, but I think that y- you've already decided you're not going to do anything with these feelings. Right. And that is the decision that you've already made. So, um, I think you're absolutely doing the right thing here. I think that there, and you ask even, 
your next question is like, is there someone out there who's going to be a place where I can put this? And the answer is yes. Like there, you will find another person who will be able to um, take your crush and, and give it back to you, right? Mm. Who's going to be able to take those feelings and let them grow and create a relationship that has those feelings and other feelings and challenges and successes and all of the things that come in a relationship. Um, and I know it sucks to feel like there's this person here that's perfect for you that you can't do anything with. Um, but there are people out there that are going to be available, that are going to be emotionally ready, that are going to be able to receive those feelings in in a way that I think you're really going to love. So it's okay to sit with them and it's okay to sit with them and hold them for someone else, right? And wait for someone else to be able to give them to. Yeah, I totally agree. I In my notes, I wrote down being seen is powerful. And it sounds like this is one of your, one of the first or one of the more meaningful times in your life that you have felt truly seen by someone. Um, but that, but just because that this particular friendship has that power doesn't mean there's not a scarcity to be, scarcity of that in the universe. You just haven't mm-hmm. met someone who can meet you where you're at romantically, who sees you in the same way. I would probably end on saying like, there's nothing wrong with this friendship um, maintaining as a friendship as is. There's nothing wrong with you keeping these feelings to yourself. But I would say maybe take a moment to reflect on, are you um, setting up healthy boundaries for yourself that you will mm-hmm. be able to, um, that you would, that are you, are you keeping yourself open to meet other people? You know, are mm-hmm. you, are you filling a relationship void in your life with this person that could be filled by putting yourself out there, you know, once it's safe for the, uh, with the pandemic and everything, um, for sure. you know, just, just are you, yeah. reflect, go. Are you- no, are you engaging in a one-sided relationship? Right? Yeah. Like, are you in a relationship with this person in your head um, that they are not part of? Yo, accountability uh, time. I, I was, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I have been in so many one-sided relationships with people in which <laughs> I wasn't in the relationship. <laughs> like that is, that was my MO and I need to be accountable to that in my 20s. You that's know. legit. I think yeah. I think many of us have done that. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, this person is in a relationship, but like in my head, we are totally together. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I think that touches on it. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not being selfish. Um, uh, just make sure that you're reflecting on your feelings and acting in a way that leads you to that authentic life. Um, not just through uh, expressing your feelings, but making healthy and safe choices for yourself and others. Mm -hmm. absolutely we love you thank you so much for writing thank you all right y'all know that sam and i record every single episode of just break up virtually so i literally see this beautiful person on zoom like multiple times a week and every time sam pops up into zoom i comment on their outfit and i swear like 99 percent of the time i'm like oh my god that outfit is so cute where did you get it Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part 
all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. This next letter is from Empty Mansion, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I love your podcast. You have such a special friendship. You are the older siblings I never had, and I really appreciate your loving perspective on the issues of strangers. (laughs) When you put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) My situation is not special. It is the classic scenario of, quote, girl loves boy who is still figuring it out, and when things get real, boy leaves girl. I was dating my ex for two years. I'm almost 25 and he's 28. While he had an extremely volatile job, was simultaneously putting himself through school and chose to have a really shitty car because it was, quote, cool. I don't think a 1987 Suburban that literally costs $100 in gas a week is cool. But hey, I could be wrong. LOL. He worked in mapping for small companies, which required a lot of unexpected travel. Like on a Tuesday, we weren't sure if he was going to be home for the weekend. And when he left town, we were never sure for how long he'd be gone. Once he was gone for seven weeks, and it was not unusual for him to be gone for three to four weeks consecutively. 
It was impossible to plan anything, so we missed out on a lot of special things that we could do as a couple, like concerts, traveling, and other events in our city. Coupled with the unreliable car and the time he devoted to school, I felt like I had to take on a lot of responsibility for our relationship, and I was in the position of being accommodating throughout all of those stressors. For two years, I hoped for a more stable life with him. I supported him in his work and in school because he was so damn passionate. He loved his work and he was defined by his passion. I admired him for this and thought he admired me too. I'm a scientist and I have a very good job. And at the end of the relationship, I started pursuing graduate school. A few months before he broke up with me, we had a conversation about how long he would be doing the traveling. He didn't have to do that specific job forever to be successful in his field. And it was clear that it was weighing on us. He said that he thought maybe another year of that. He assured me that he was serious about me and the future of our relationship. I knew he was capable of stability, and I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. He broke up with me four months after that, about a year ago now, and it destroyed me. I didn't really see it coming when, in hindsight, I could see that our relationship had changed after that conversation. In the last year, he bought a new low-maintenance car, got a more stable job, and finished school. He also started dating a girl right before quarantine, so he had a companion throughout the whole situation, whereas I've been completely alone. I know it isn't logical, but I feel like such a loser. I'm jealous that this girl gets the version of this man that I've waited for and accommodated and supported and invested in. I'm jealous that he wasn't lonely during quarantine when this has been the loneliest time of my life. Dating has been very disappointing for me in the last year, although I am where I want to be professionally and I've further developed my hobbies and friendships. How do I overcome this feeling of being the loser of the breakup? My conscious brain knows that I can't compare myself to this girl, but my crisis brain tells me that all these extraneous situations that put so much stress on our relationship suddenly evaporated and she gets this awesome guy that I helped build. How do I accept that I know I'm worthy of the finished product and not the work in progress? I'm so disappointed and want I want to have more faith in what's left out there for me. I'm disappointed in myself that I'm still so upset about someone who doesn't care about me and has moved on from me while I still feel so raw. This new girl and I have several mutual friends from college and I'm surprised we've never met. She got out of a long relationship last year, too, and was lucky enough to find my ex after only a few months of being single. I feel like the million-dollar mansion that sits on the market while everyone who sees it says how amazing it is and what good quality it is, uh, what an amazing house it would be if only they could afford it. And she's the trendy, groovy starter house in the city that gets scooped up within a week. I'm tired of being an empty mansion in a starter house world. I don't want to be bitter and jaded from heartbreak, and I'm constantly looking for hope. Thank you for reading this, even if you don't show it on the podcast. I love you both. All right, Empty Mansion. I feel for you, girl. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry that you went through that broke up, and I'm sorry sorry that you're feeling such shame about still processing it, I guess is what I want Mm -hmm. to acknowledge. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are our hardest critics, and we... We are our biggest barrier to freedom and, and healing because we are so fucking hard on ourselves. Um, For sure. I'm sorry, too, that you are feeling the loneliest you've ever felt, right? I yeah. Think that, I think that a lot of our listeners are going to identify with that because mm-hmm. this this period of quarantine has been incredibly lonely for a lot of people, um, not being able to get out there and see people that they love, not being able to 
start dating folks. Um, so I think I just want to say to you and to everyone who is feeling incredibly lonely right now, yeah. right? Like these are, these are extreme times, right? Like these are extraordinary times that we're in. Um, Says every and, corporate email yeah, right, right, sent to us. Right. You know what I mean? No, oh, you're, sure. you're right to say it. In I just am laughing. these unprecedented yeah, times. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about like the, the Dawn soap email that I got or whatever, yeah, sure. I, you know? Right. No, keep but, going with your very but, genuine and important thing. Right. No, but it is, it is normal to feel lonely right now, mm-hmm. right? It is absolutely understandable and it is also really hard. Um, and so I, I just want to say like, I'm, I'm sorry. And I know that this is bringing out a lot of shit for a lot of people <laughs> because like sitting at home with your own thoughts, right? Like really forces us to, to look at things that we might have been ignoring before, um, so just wanted to say like, yeah, we're all in this together. This is like nutso what we're, what's happening. Um, and, and I think a lot of our emotions are extremely heightened right now. So, mm-hmm. um, it just means that we need to take care of ourselves even more, protect that, that inner child even more and recognize that like loneliness doesn't mean that we're losers, right? Loneliness doesn't mean that we're somehow failing at life. Loneliness mm-hmm. is just what we are feeling right now in this moment because, it's a, it is absolutely a time to be lonely, right? Yeah. I'm so glad you're and that saying loneliness, this. right? Like loneliness isn't a marker of failure. Loneliness is just an emotion that we go through when we're feeling alone. Right. Right. And I would add like being single isn't a marker of failure. Um, right. Being left isn't a marker of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, even struggling, right? Like I, I'm so glad you took a moment to acknowledge that because what are we three months into this um, into our fourth month of quarantine? And it's, it's like, you almost forget sometimes <laughs> don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Like I'm still social distancing. I'm wearing my mask all the time. Um, I fucking postponed my fucking weddings, you know, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm still very aware of the, the, the world that we live in, but you, you, it's amazing how adaptable we are and how resilient mm-hmm. we are as humans that, that I could, that I need the reminder that we are in these unprecedented times so that my subconscious doesn't have too harsh of expectations on myself. Um, so that mm-hmm. my inner monologue isn't so cruel to say like, wow, Sierra, like, I can't believe you're, you know, not getting as much work done as normal or, or having more anxiety mm-hmm. attacks. Like, what are you such a loser? Like, I can't believe you, you can't handle this. And then to mm-hmm. remember just to hear you say like, it's totally normal to feel these things in such a cr- such a unfortunate and troubling time. Absolutely. Um, do you, do you, have you experienced that at all? Like, have you like gotten used to quarantine and then been like, Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think a lot of us are like, well, this is just the new normal. Yes. Right. But it, it's also like, oh, but I'm also not equipped yet to deal with this. New yes. Like, even though it feels like, yeah, when I go to the grocery store, I have to wear a mask and I have to like, I have to play a game of like, who's got the virus, right? Like, right. Of like, is this that box sounds like of pasta? a fucking terrible game? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. And like, is this box of pasta going to be the thing that gives me this virus? Right. That's not a normal like fear no, to have. That's, not like, that's like, that's not even normal. though I can like go through the motions of like, yes, I can go to the grocery store and stock up on these things and bring everything home and like wipe it down. Right. Doesn't mean that it's not 
it like I'm emotionally equipped to know to understand how much stress that is putting my body under, right? Yeah, man. and I can only imagine for folks who aren't able to social distance because of their essential jobs or because they're they're uh, servers or whatever it is or working at Target, right? To be under that constant stress all the time and to have it feel like it's just an everyday thing is just incredible. Like yeah. we are, this is a high level of stress that we're under. And I think we're holding ourselves to standards sometimes that are just unreasonable given the fact that everything is, is like anxiety. This like low hum of menace is like everywhere all the time. Low hum of menace. Girl, you should be a yeah, poet. Stole that. Oh, <laughs> I stole you... that from this American life. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've been, I, I promise Empty Mansion will get back to your relationship question in like five seconds. Um, but I've been doing this really cool thing where I have a straight up panic attack in um, the minutes before I fall asleep. <laughs> I'll be like getting, I'll be like relaxing with Willow. We'll turn the light off. I'll start getting sleepy. And then my mind, it's like, it's like as though my mind feels me letting go of control, like relaxing, and it goes into panic mode. Um, mm. and, and I have these full-blown, like, got to sit up and, like, get my breathing together. It's so bizarre. Um, but I say that to be vulnerable and share it with you and my community. Um, but also mm -hmm. to remind myself, like, man, those have been very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a good, uh, terrible reminder from my body that I am carrying a lot, that we all are carrying a lot. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, good, good, no, that's good, good reminder that we're in a pandemic. <laughs> my panic attacks come when I wake up in the middle of the night. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Those two, yeah. uh, Spencer and I have like talked um, on and off in the middle of the night a couple times over the last month, which mm -hmm. has been a nice like friend way to connect. Um, all right, Empty Mansion, back to you and your very justified heartbreak and loneliness. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, we're sorry. Uh, that's it's hard. I I can feel your heart hurting from here. Um, mm -hmm. I want to give you our patented tough love a little bit, um, just to push you into, <laughs> um, to push you into some, maybe some, a new headspace where you can find a little bit more uncomfortable, but necessary clarity and healing. Um, this is not even like, it's not my standard tough love of like, you shouldn't have texted him. It's more like maybe, <laughs> uh, think about it as a brain expander or as a new way of looking at this. Um, I totally relate to your mode of loving, particularly in a relationship that is unstable and um, unstable, meaning like the, the things that should be stable, like your schedule, your ability to see each other, um, are, were, were not stable. Um, not that they're emotionally was unstable. Um, I, I relate to the feeling as though I have to accommodate and uphold all of the things in this relationship because my partner is not going to uphold them. That's something mm -hmm. I connect to that caretaking is something that I relate to. Um, and lately in the last year or so, I have been reflecting on how much of that caretaking and accommodating and positioning I do that I just assume needs to be done because mm -hmm. I have a, um, because I think I am only as valuable as how much I uh, love and accommodate 
someone else, not because of what they asked me to take on. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is not to say that your relationship wasn't difficult because of those circumstances, but you might have taken on too much because uh, no one person can sustain a relationship with two people by themselves. It has to, it, there has to be work and effort from two people. And I wonder, um, you know, feeling like you had to like hold it all together. That's a very real relatable feeling, but that's a feeling that you and I take on by choice in a lot of moments, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder if looking back or more importantly, looking forward into your next relationship, because you are going to find love again, are there ways that you can put up a little bit more boundaries about what you're bringing to the relationship and what your partner is bringing to the relationship in turn? Um, You don't have to carry all of this stuff on your shoulders by yourself. In fact, that's impossible. And that's how we have relationship dynamics that are imbalanced. And that's why um, relationships, uh, you know, fall apart sometimes is that like, we can't, we can't do it all by ourselves. And this, these circumstances that you're describing, that's a lot to carry um, Mm -hmm. or to accommodate. Can you add to that? Yeah. I mean, I think that that, this idea that you seem to articulate that like, there's a finished product that we're all becoming right. Like, like this guy is now a finished product and you had to, you had to help him become that finished product, right? Like the fact is, is that this guy is still growing, right? There is no finished product. There is no end goal that we're all working towards. Um, and I think, and I say that not to say like, wow, you're being judgmental. I saying that to say like, let's take the burden of off of you to say that we all need to be moving towards some finished product, Mm -hmm. right? Like what would it look like instead to be like, we are all learning and growing instead of saying, you know, I'm a $600 million mansion and everyone else is a starter home and saying like, no, we're all just starter homes all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like forever. We are all, all just continuing to learn and to grow. Um, and the fact that your, your ex now has a cheaper, has a more low maintenance car and a more stable job and has finished school doesn't mean that he's any more fully grown. It just means that he's at a new phase in his life, right? Mm -hmm. That he's still bringing, baggage into this relationship. He is still bringing things into this relationship with this new person that will, that he needs to continue to work on as are you. Right. And so I think just this idea of like, it's not your job to make yourself a better house. Like it is not your job to turn yourself into a mansion and it's not your job to turn your partners into mansions. Right. Mm. It is your job to just build something for yourself that is going to sustain you and fulfill you right? You don't have to like, what fun is being an empty mansion, right? Like, what does it look like instead to say like, this is enough. This is, I'm going to continue to, to grow my garden and to update my furniture or whatever it is and be happy with being who you are, as opposed to trying to always continue to be someone bigger and better. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I said what I said about like choosing that, not to like add shame or regret to your, to what you're already carrying. Um, but just to think about um, a lot of times I feel like folks write in and feel powerless in a relationship that they're unfulfilled by, or they feel stressed by. Um, and I relate to that feeling. My last relationship before my fiance, I felt 
um, powerless in the circumstances that I was willfully agreeing to uphold, (laughs) Mm. you know, and that's just me like Mm -hmm. gently calling myself out that like, I, I felt like I had to do all of these things to maintain the relationship. Um, instead of stopping and think, wait, I have agency and autonomy and I have rights in this relationship and I, mm-hmm. and I should have standards for how I was treated. And this is just like not enough for me or like, I can't do this by myself. Um, so I just wanted mm-hmm. to like add that to the conversation. Um, I, I promise you my darling empty mansion that we are going to end this by affirming how you cannot compare yourself to this new woman. <laughs> but I want to say one mm-hmm. more thing. Um, again, a little tough love or maybe a mind expander. Um, I don't think your relationship ended because of the shitty car or because of the shitty job <laughs> or um, because of school. Like our relationship circumstances impact our relationships undoubtedly. But if we, yeah. if we look back and only look at those circumstances and say, if it wasn't for this and if it wasn't for this and if it wasn't for this, we miss the very difficult universal truth, which is that person just wasn't right for me. And if mm-hmm. we look to those circumstances, we can, we always think, well, those circumstances could change. If, if we didn't have that car, if he didn't have that job, if he wasn't in school, we would be perfect. But that's just not seeing the full, nuanced, complicated, multifaceted relationship that you had that just wasn't sustainable for whatever reasons, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can't we can't heal circumstance. We can't. There's nothing that's going to heal about thinking, well, if that didn't happen, we would be together. What you can heal is we were not equipped to stay together through whatever circumstances. So we are the ones that couldn't be together because of who we were, not because of mm-hmm. what we were going through. Um, Absolutely. No, that makes a hundred percent sense. And it, it um, sort of gets to this idea of like, you also didn't build this for him, right? Like he built this for himself. Um, like he was the one that got the new car. He was the one that got the new job. He was the one that finished school. Right. And I think um, when you come into relationships with the mindset of like, Oh, I'm going to fix this person. Then suddenly when that person does the things that you had wanted them to do, it's because of you. But the reality is, is like, you can't force, you didn't force this man to do anything. He did these things of his own account. Mm. Um, And so like this idea of like, oh, this person is reaping the benefits of the thing that I built. Does the only thing that does is hurt you. Like that's the, the only thing that buying into that idea does is make you feel resentful, is make you feel like you have been denied something that you are entitled to. Uh, when in reality, that's not that's not true, right? Like you don't have the right to him because you put work into him, right? Like you don't have the right to reap the benefits of it. Be- and, and I think trying to shift our understanding of relationships to say like, we are not trying to fix the person that we're with relieves us of that, that pain that we're putting on on ourselves when suddenly the the effort that we put in doesn't play out or it does. And someone else gets to date this new person, Mm -hmm. right? We don't fix our partners. Our partners work on themselves. Like we can help support them in that. But the idea that we need to like take a, a fixer upper house and turn it into a mansion is a way is only going to end up in heartbreak for you when that mansion isn't exactly what you want or when that mansion is inhabited by someone else. So Mm -hmm. 
how do you come into relationships instead saying like we are two people who are working on ourselves and want to support each other rather than this a mentality of I need to create the perfect conditions for you to grow. Um, because like I think we, you know, you and I have talked about this, especially mm-hmm. with like how are we constantly we are constantly taking care of our partners and then being resentful of the fact that we don't get to reap the benefits of of them like becoming better but that's just like not how the world works right Mm, and it sucks (laughs) well because you want to know why it sucks hard is because the dynamic that you just explained is true everywhere but in relationships like if i work on my Mm. house for a year i get to reap the benefit of living in that house later like my -hmm. house will be tangibly better you know if i put Mm -hmm. in small projects there or um if i uh if I am gluten intolerant, right, and I mm-hmm. decide to stop eating gluten, I will see tangible impacts of that. I will be able to reap the benefits of of that that lifestyle choice towards my better health or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But in relationships, like we do not, we don't own anyone, and we don't date potential, and right. um, and. And that's why it is so hard for our brains to process heartbreak sometimes, particularly in a painful uh, relationship unfolding like this one, where we feel as though someone is getting what we work so hard to build. Like that is, mm-hmm. that is such a relatable pain um, because it but doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. But I also think it's like the problem with those analogies is like, it's, this would be the same thing as like, oh, you find out your partner has a gluten intolerance. So you start yeah, you yeah, stop yeah, eating yeah, yeah, gluten yeah. and expect them to feel better. Yes, right? totally. Like, like the idea of you stopping to eat gluten is great. Like, that's awesome. We should do that. Like you working on your own house yeah. is great. This is what we talk about when we talk about head and heart work. But sometimes we expect for me to work on my own house or like offer someone totally. all the gluten-free pasta in the world <laughs> yeah. and they choose to, or they choose to continue to eat pasta with gluten and we're like this is a marker on me and my failure in getting yes. this person to be a better 100%. person or because I bought them all of this gluten-free pasta I then should reap the benefits of them and like that's just not I know not- yeah that is a <laughs> I'm so glad you expounded upon those analogies like that because it just proves that like humans are not houses or pasta Uh, Um, very true yeah uh okay but empty mansion as i promised i also want to remind you lovingly that there is no future or happiness in comparing yourself to this woman um she, Mm -hmm. she is literally she has no standing on who you are as a person she has no influence on your worthiness um, and comparing yourself to her is only a form of self-harm that will get mm-hmm. you nowhere. Um, because she, you and her are just there. There's just no overlap. There's no, just because you dated the same person and she is quote, reaping the benefits of all of those seeds that you planted that it's, it, it, that it's, that's not how the equation works. There is no equation between mm-hmm. you and her. There's just association. Yep. Um, And I know that hurts. I mean, I am the type of person who looks at my ex's uh, new partners and thinks, who am I in comparison to them? You know what I mean? I I do this. Mm -hmm. I do this form of self-harm and it gets me nowhere (laughs) and it's only (laughs) painful and it's only hurtful and um, there's no healing here. So I want you to turn away from this and think, 
Um, she has nothing to do with me. She has no impact on who I am or, and, and my happiness. And her happiness mm-hmm. has nothing to do with mine. And, and so, yep. so far, or so on and so forth. So far. For sure. And I, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I also think, right, you've described yourself as this empty mansion sitting on the, up on the hill that no one wants to buy. But like, that's absolutely not true. You are a, a mansion that is full of things, right? You are a mansion that is bursting with life. You have... You are a mansion that has a laboratory in the basement for you to do your science experiments, right? You are a mansion that has a room where you get to watch movies with all of the friends that you have. You are a mansion that has a a kitchen where you can cook yourself good meals, right? Like you are living in that mansion, right? You're not waiting for someone to come and buy you, right? You are there. You are living a very full life. You are full to the bursting with all sorts of things, right? And it's not up for someone to come and buy you, right? You, It's up for you to find a way to make room for another person to come live in that mansion with you. And I think, and I, I say that to just say like you, I know that it's a really lonely time right now. I know that it's really hard to watch your ex start dating someone who seems really great. An ex who you had so many problems with and now suddenly seems to have gotten his act together in very external ways, right? Like you don't know what his internal life is because you don't mm-hmm. have access to it. But I want to say like, don't picture yourself as as this empty house sitting up on, on a hill, right? You are so full. You have so many things that you can that fulfill you, that bring you joy. Um, and you will find a person that wants to live in that house with you. Mm-hmm. But for now, without that other person, how can you find a way to live in that house and, and enjoy all of the things that are, that it is so full of? Mm-hmm. I totally, I totally agree. All right. Empty mansion. We hope you're feeling a little bit more full. We love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. All right. Our next letter comes from Halting and Confused, who is writing from Quarantine. (laughs) Halting writes, I am a 32-year-old straight monogamous male and recent listener of the show. I love the support you provide. Not surprisingly, my question is about moving on from a relationship. My ex and I had known each other since high school and became closer friends over the years. She always had feelings for me, but I didn't quite feel like we were a match in the past. Nevertheless, a couple years ago, we were both out of serious relationships and started talking daily on the phone, long distance, developing feelings for each other. We took trips to see each other and she eventually decided to move to be with me so we could give the relationship a fair shot. I was in training for my degree and her career career allowed more flexibility. Since we were already close, I knew that her lack of a sex drive was a longtime source of insecurity and a problem for her in previous relationships. We had discussed this since I have a healthy sex drive, but she ultimately felt that it would, wouldn't be as much of an issue for us since she had been attracted to me and wanted to date me for a long time. I told her that as long as it was something we could work on together as partners, then our sex life and frequency didn't have to look any certain way. Even in the beginning of our relationship, sex and intimacy was clearly an issue, though it became even more apparent when we moved in together. When we did have sex, it was clear that she was uncomfortable and in her head. I tried to do everything I could to be supportive, tell and show her how much I loved and was attracted to her, asked her what she wanted from her sex life so as not to make it about me, and told her time and again that I didn't have expectations as long as we were working together. I in no way wanted to pressure or shame her and tried to make it clear I just wanted us to be allies. Yet when we had these discussions, she would just repeat that she didn't know what she wanted and didn't know why sex made her uncomfortable. 
when I suggested that we just forget about sex and try to develop more physical intimacy together, for example, more kissing and cuddling, that also made her uncomfortable. I recently learned that touch is how I feel loved, but for her, it is an uncomfortable necessity of a relationship. We went from having sex every few weeks to every few months, and after we agreed together that she would take the lead and we would stop discussing intimacy as it made her more as it made it more serious and therefore anxiety provoking for her to only a couple of times in the last year of our relationship. We had other physical intimacy over that time as, or we had little other physical intimacy over that time as well. While our friendship remained strong during all of this, I started feeling lonelier and more resentful, not because I wasn't getting what I wanted, but, but because I felt like we weren't addressing something that I had expressed was so important to me feeling loved Although she had told me that she was trying her hardest, she also said that she was fine with our relationship being how it it was in spite of how I felt. It also became clear that I was the giver in the relationship and she was the taker. She cared about me a great deal and often told me that, but did little to actually show it in action. From my perception, our relationship was quite one-sided. We grew further apart and I eventually suggested that we end the relationship after two years of being together. She initially did not want to end it, but later decided it was for the best. Mm. I was sad and lonely, but also proud of myself and felt peace in this decision. We agreed to remain friends since we still cared for each other and had supported each other through the death of one of my parents, one of her parents having a major stroke, a cherished dog's death, and other major family health events. This was going okay, but a month or so after our breakup, she was dating again, which I understood. After all, she had moved to be with me and didn't put the effort in to develop her own relationships, friendships while we were together. But the following month, she was in another relationship. I asked, I know I shouldn't have. And she confirmed that she had had sex since we broken up. I was shattered beyond. And in some ways I still am. She told me it has nothing to do with me that we just had incompatible needs, but I couldn't help feel, but feel so much shame and self-loathing. I'm an attractive, kind, compassionate, and confident person and partner, but I've never had a strong feeling of self-worth, and what I did have all went out the window. She became more flippant, and our friendship became just as one-sided as our relationship. I eventually asked that we stop talking for a while since I was still mourning the end of the relationship, and out of fairness to her new relationship, even though she told me that he knew all about me and was totally okay with us remaining close friends." She insisted that we stay in touch and continue to text message me from time to time, even asking for emotional support and at times being frustrated when I only responded briefly. Her behavior during our relationship was quite selfish and this only increased once I tried to draw boundaries. Both in our relationship and friendship, she constantly told me that she loved and cared about me like she has for no one else and needs me in her life, but put little effort into actually being caring. We have now been broken up for about eight months and have not talked in a month or two. I feel like I'm starting to come out of a dark place. I have my own mental health issues exacerbated by the breakup and quarantine that I've been addressing with medication and therapy and felt confident in my plan to at least the rest of the year to focus on myself and stop focusing on past or future relationships altogether. However, to pass time during quarantine, I started using an app, and as I felt better, I've started talking to you and have hung out with several different women. I actually hope that most of these turn into friendships, but without going into details, there is the opportunity for a potentially primarily physical relationship with one woman, and I'm also started to develop a more in-depth connection with another woman. Even though I was thinking about my ex less often and with less intensity, there have been more frequent sweeping waves of sadness and longing for her since I've started dating again, along with increased anxiety. There are days when I question whether us not talking is the still the right thing. 
So my question is this, should I be dating or using this time to get in touch with myself? Is it possible to do both at the same time? I know people say you should feel whole by yourself before entering a relationship, but I don't know if that's possible as I've never really felt truly whole or content. I also know people say that when you meet the right person, you'll just know, but I'm also concerned that my anxiety surrounding romantic connections prevents me from developing what could be a great relationship. I fear losing myself, not because I'm dependent on my partners, but because I feel like I don't really know who I am beyond being a caregiver. Part of me is excited about the prospect of using this time to fully take care of myself without validation from others and to wait for the right partner. However, the biggest barrier to do to doing this is being sexually unfulfilled for the foreseeable future and masturbation just doesn't cut it. I know that as a male in 2020, I should be cool with uncommitted sex, but I don't want to be that guy who isn't ready to commit and suggest just hooking up. And then I don't want to hook up with someone to only have them expect more from me and disappoint them. Mm. If you could tell disappointing others is a big fear of mine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I could tell that for sure. For me, sex without intimacy usually brings up more stress than it's worth as a friend with benefit situation is still emotional and physical energy spent that could otherwise be devoting to caring for my friends, myself, and for a more sustainable relationship. Your advice and support is much, much appreciated. All my love. Aw, thank you so much for writing Halting and Confused. I could call that hack. No, that's not very good. (laughs) Hack! (laughs) Um... Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say, like, I'm sorry for your the loss of your relationship, but I'm Sam and I are, are very proud of you for doing all of this um, intense internal work, um, reflecting on what the right next step is, and mm-hmm. probably most importantly, of putting up boundaries between you and your ex. Um, mm-hmm. It is... I could write a novel on the particular move that I have done and have had done to me in relationships in which people use, um, people say that they love you and mean that you mean so much to them. And then their actions don't reflect that. Um, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> guilty of that. Uh, I, I did that when, and, and just, I guess to be vulnerable and transparent, I did that when I because I too was deeply afraid of disappointing someone, but couldn't, Mm. um, couldn't fathom them not being in my life in the way in which I could like access them or love them or, or whatever. Um, and so I, I have used that same strategy where like my words were, my words were representing, um, my feelings, but my actions weren't representing my authenticity, if that makes sense. Like I, I loved the person and still wanted them to be close to me, but I wasn't truly allowing myself to recognize what was healthy for the two of us, what was being sustained and not sustained. I wasn't, I wasn't acknowledging that I just didn't want to disappoint this person by saying like, uh, we can't have a relationship anymore. Um, anyway, I just, Mm. I think that that's a particularly difficult but common human experience, one that I have been privy to on both sides. And TLDR, my dear halting and confused, um, that person just doesn't know how to put up their own boundaries. Um, and that person mm. is is, un, in, is unable to sustain a healthy friendship with you at this time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we can't, we can't, Um, we can't put up other people's boundaries for them, which means you have to be able to say as, as it seems like you have, or like with the space that you've taken, um, 
that your words are showing me one thing, but your actions are showing me the other. And until we can find where there's a safe and sustainable common ground for those two things, I need to step Mm -hmm. away. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I've talked about how establishing boundaries can make the other person feel like you are taking something away from them. Oh my God, so real. Um, Which is like, no, which is how people react when you tend, like when you suddenly put up boundaries that haven't been in there in the first place, like people react as if you are taking something away from some, taking something away from them. But even on the other side, sometimes putting up boundaries can make us feel like we are Mm -hmm. taking something away or we are somehow disappointing that other person or somehow um, denying them something that we have decided that they're entitled to. So that's real. Like, let me say that hundred percent. And I can feel that so much in your letter that, that like fear of saying like me putting up boundaries is somehow hurting this person or me putting up boundaries is somehow denying them something. And the reality is, is that this, this person, this woman that you were friends with and that you dated and that you broke up with, um, has no entitlement to any part of you, right? You are not denying her something that she's entitled to. You are not disappointing her. I mean, you probably are disappointing her because like she's a person and like probably expects more from you than you are willing or should be willing to give. Right. But you are not, you are not denying her anything that she needs. You are not denying her anything that she uh, is entitled to. You are just establishing, you are finally saying to her, like, you don't get to have all of me without anything in return. You don't get to have every part of me, this support, this love that I've continued to give you because it's unsustainable for me. And I want to make sure that that love and that support goes to someone who is going to be able to help support me in equal fashion to the support that I'm giving them. I totally agree. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up both sides too, because for me, like the, the people pleaser and the non, my fear of disappointment, um, but also my lack of boundaries <laughs> manifests mm-hmm. in um, in that same guilt of feeling as though someone is taking something from me, as though they yep. don't trust me to like take care of them or whatever, even though like my selfish ass was probably being an asshole. Um, but also <laughs> that I, if I'm the one upholding the boundary that, that I am, that I am stripping someone of something or denying them of something. And I'm glad you said it the way you did, because I was going to pop in and say like, you are, you are denying them access to you. Or if somebody puts up a boundary of me, I am losing something. I'm losing access to them. But my dear, like fellow, uh, conflict fear, halting and confused, um, that we have to normalize that we have to normalize Mm -hmm. that we will never move through life and not disappoint someone that is impossible. We have to normalize disappointing people. We have to normalize not giving people everything because that is unsustainable and not just unsustainable. It is impossible. It is like, I saw this meme, uh, like a, a quote the other day on Instagram, um, that said something like, uh, I think I brought it up a couple episodes ago. Um, Lisa Oliveira therapy said, um, imperfection is literally the only option. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and similarly like disappointing people is the only option, right? Um, taking, uh, not giving everything to everyone is not an option or is is the only option I should say. Um, people feeling as though you take something from them is the only option that this is 
we got to normalize that these things happen in in life, in relationships, in, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, furthermore, I want to normalize that we can be good, generous, kind people and do these things. I think we have these these like parallel universes in, in our brains in which we are either a terrible, selfish person or a <laughs> healthy, selfless person. Um, yeah, you're either a giver or a taker, right? Yes, and that's it's it's not like <laughs> humans are not that. Um, we mm-hmm. are way way more complicated than that, um, and all in and our dynamics change person to person. That's that's how complicated we are. Is that like um, mm-hmm. we might think that we are all we are universally one way or another, but it changes all the time depending on the dynamic or the context of whatever relationship we are referring to. Um, and so halting and confused, I just want to say to you that you can be generous, kind, healing, hurting, selfish, uh, boundary setting, disappointing all at once. And those are all <laughs> fine things to be because that is mm-hmm. part of the human experience. Yep. Absolutely. So to your partner moving on sexually, I want to say, um, I'm sorry, that is a particular pain. And uh, it sounds like you've already started to unpack that that doesn't mean, um, it sounds like you've done some head and heart work in terms of like not uh, obsessing too much over that. But I want to say that the timing in which someone moves on beyond our 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 relationship that we share that that the things that they do after said breakup and the timeline of that have little mm-hmm. to nothing to do with us and the actual relationship that they left for sure do you agree yes i agree with that 100% right and i will say let me just say this too it is much easier to have unhealthy sex than it is to have healthy sex Ooh. and i think <laughs> and by unhealthy you just mean like um Maybe let's use a different word than unhealthy, like uh, uh, non-intimate versus intimate. Is that fair? Because like casual sex isn't inherently unhealthy or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. I'm not talking about casual sex. You can have unhealthy sex in a very committed relationship yeah. as well. Right? Yeah. Like I'm saying like, so you, what I love about your letter halting is that like the things that you did in partnership with your partner to try and draw her into an intimate, a physically intimate and sexual relationship with you are the things that we all talk about, right? Those are like healthy things to say, let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about what we like. Let's like, let's like get into it. Mm. It is much easier to have sex where you don't talk about those things and just let somebody do something to you. (laughs) So I want to say like, I want to say that the fact that she had sex doesn't mean that it has anything to do with you. And if it does have something to do with you, it might be because you called on her to have more difficult, uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations about intimacy than she was prepared for. And that's actually a marker of a good partner, a good sexual partner, not someone who isn't like fulfilling her. Right. I can tell you that like, I have had so much unhealthy sex Mm. in my life, but having like, (laughs) Yeah. 100% consensual sex where I like am fully present and showing up makes me so uncomfortable because it is true vulnerability. It is true intimacy that it's like, 
I could have I could have sexual partners at the wazoo if, if the sex was about me just being an object for that other person, mm. right? But like when it comes to having actual healthy sex, it's harder for me to actually do it because I have to show up differently and I have to address the things that make me uncomfortable, the ways in which I bring shame into sex. Mm. But it but that's what that is what true intimacy looks like is showing up authentically and not just saying to myself, "Oh, it's much easier to just be an object so that people good. use." Such such a so good like, point. So it, like the sex that you were having with her and trying to have with her has nothing to do with the sex that she is having now. And it could be even if it is super healthy, wonderful sex, I don't want to like, I don't want to say what her sex looks like, but you have to understand that there are like different types of sex that people can have. Mm -hmm. And your type of sex didn't work because she was unwilling or unable to be open and vulnerable with you. And not because she wasn't sexually attracted to you mm -hmm. or not because she didn't, she couldn't have had sex with you. Right. right? Or their desires so, just didn't align uh, from, from what he tells us in the letter she just didn't have a high sex drive. Um, and, and that was a conflict in their relationship, no doubt. Um, but the, like maybe they just didn't align and she can find that alignment somewhere else. Again, right. it, it doesn't reflect back on the letter writer. Um, and I know that's hard. That's, sure. that's like such hard mental labor to be like, wait a minute, these things are directly related <laughs> in my experience. And right. yet it has nothing to do with me, you know? For sure. Yeah. Like, it's like, no, these are two apples. Like mm. they should be the same thing, but mm. it's like, no, they're, they may like have the same shape, but they are completely different at their core yes. because they are, the ingredients that go into them are completely different. I can say that every sexual partner I have had, our interaction has been wholly unique and different. The only mm. common thread has been me. <laughs> And yeah, maybe a the only vibrator. Common thread has been me and my self-esteem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what if I was like, and the only common thread has been coconut oil? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, by the way, don't use that as a sexual lubricant. Thank you. Um, anyway, you can use that as a lotion, but like, don't put it in your bits. Yeah, give each other a massage, oh. but then like, don't put it in your body. Well, it just throws off your pH balance and, you know. Right. Yep. Can uh, cause bacterial infection for sure. Yeah. Um, however, it is a great moisturizer and like a sexy, fun playtime. And you can cook with it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this episode is, brought yeah, to you by <laughs> coconut oil. <laughs> just what i was gonna say i wish we had more sponsors that were just uh -huh. like this episode is brought to you by chairs <laughs> yeah, <right>. uh. <laughs> anyway halted and alone um i mean confused <laughs> oh shit halteen <laughs> i said your whole name wrong halteen and confused um mm -hmm. Uh, so, so just wanted to touch on that sex and like, and hopefully big you up that like you are your own whole, uh, beautiful, attractive, desirable, sexual being, um, that, and, and none of that, none, none of that sacredness of yourself is tapped into or like taken away from by someone else's sexual experience that has nothing to do with you. Um, again, mm -hmm. that's very hard mental labor to do, but it is the labor that we have to do to have a healthy and sustainable relationship with ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. to your final questions about what to do now. Um, I think you should use this time to date. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Sam 
I'm just going to say, but like, um, it's been eight months. You've been doing a lot of self-reflection and I cannot tell you how much I learn about myself, uh, by putting myself out in the world, period. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that while the idea of navigating the conversations that have to do with casual or monogamous sex or um, friends with benefits versus an exclusive relationship, the idea of having those conversations sounds exhausting to you. And don't get me wrong, it totally is, particularly in context of fearing, you know, being of disappointing someone. I think that's going to be really good practice for you leading into your next committed relationship is that we have to get used to disappointing people and putting up our own boundaries. And that, mm. I know that there's like seven listen on, uh, listeners out there that's like, wait a minute, you want him to sleep with somebody and then get used to disappointing them? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like uh, disappoint them. I'm not saying that I want you to disappoint people by not being emotionally available to them. I want you to disappoint people in an ethical, moral way by saying, I'm not, you know, you seem really great, but I don't feel the connection here. So I'd rather just be friends. If we want to be physically intimate, I just want you to know this is what I am here for. And this is what I'm available for. I'm not looking for anything else and I won't be for a while. Or, you know, like that's what I mean by disappointed. I don't mean like sleep with somebody and then tell them the next day that, you never want to speak to them again or, or whatever. Yeah. You mean dating people while establishing healthy boundaries with them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is not actually disappointing people. That's dating people and establishing healthy boundaries but with it, them. <laughs> but it is disappointing yeah. people. And I'm glad that you said mm-hmm. it like that. Um, and then I'm glad that I'm interjecting with this only because for someone like me who, who chronically and deeply fears disappointing people to the point um, where it, it affects my life. It just affects my life. This in a bit, this fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, I have to really say those words. And because, because in my, um, in my growing and healing brain, um, putting up boundaries sounds nice and friendly. Disappointing people mm-hmm. sounds terrifying um, and cruel <laughs> and selfish, but they're the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so Yeah. <laughs> no, which is why I like to focus uh, yeah, on the yeah, positive yeah, yeah, yeah. and say like, no, uh, I'm establishing, I'm not disappointing people. I'm establishing boundaries that they are yes. disappointed by, Ultimately, but like that has nothing to do with me. you have the healthier, more like <laughs> developed response. I'm, I'm still in like my cave woman stage where I'm like, no, no, no. I need to like disappoint people. I need to be okay with that. Um, so do but you I think, think that like you should date? But I also think that, Go ahead, don't that. But the idea of that is like an active thing, right? Like you are not disappointing people. People are disappointed with you, right? Mm, Like you have, mm, you establishing boundaries is not you disappointing them. You establishing boundaries is creating disappointment in them that they don't get unfettered access to you. I love that. Right? Like you're not disappointing anyone. I love that semantics. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh my God. This is like 37 years late. Um, from our literally our first letter, but I wonder what the etymology of, crush is sorry that is fifty thousand years ago (laughs) um but i was hoping you knew because you are the of the two english majors you're you're more of an english major (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do love words (laughs) um uh you're the writer i am the one that dissects everything (laughs) no i'm like the fucking freelance poet and you're the person who does the new york times crossword puzzle i think that 
is the perfect delineation between the two of us. Which is just an example of the fact that it would you would think that this would be a comparison of apples to apples, but like oh there's my God. so much Bring it around, nuance girl. Connected. within even English majors, yes. right? Even English um, majors. <laughs> The rare breed that is yes. English majors. Even um, English majors. Yes. Tell me about what you think he should do moving forward. I think Sierra is right. Like you can and should date if that's what you want to do. And I think that you can do it just like Sierra said in a way that um, is practicing what it means to be healthy. Um, but I also think if you are not ready in a place to do that, that's also fine. If you want to spend some time being alone, um, I think that's great. And I think what... You know, you talk about sort of like how masturbation doesn't cut it, right? But how do you turn masturbation into sex with yourself, right? Like how do you, I think that like sometimes diving into your own pleasure and like realizing how you can give yourself pleasure. Totally. Also starts to like boost your understanding of yourself, like your self-esteem, like the things that you are able and willing to do. So like, I think that there can probably some both be some both and here, right? Like yes. what does it look like to date and establish some healthy boundaries and practice what that feels like while also at the same time deepening your relationship with yourself, deepening your understanding of yourself uh, so that you can walk through, walk into some of these things where you're disappointing someone or someone disappoints you and you can understand that it's not a failing of you yourself, but a failing of different wants and needs different things that you are both seeking um, and know that at the end of the day, you are still whole a hundred percent, no matter how much dis- people are disappointed in you, no matter how many times they are angry at your boundaries, no matter how many times they don't want to have sex with you because of whatever's going on in their head. Right. Um, and that I think is what we talk about when we say like, before you love someone else, you got to love somebody else, but you can learn to love yourself and also learn to love people at the same time. Yes, totally. I'm so glad you brought up that point about masturbation. I'm also very proud of you <laughs> on our hundredth episode. Um, right. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you brought that up because again, our, our desire for sex might it, it sometimes clouds our understanding of our desire for a relationship or intimacy. Um, like mm-hmm. we're, we are animals after all, like we, we are yep. sexual beings who like want to get off sometimes. Um, and, uh, I think that Sam makes a really great healthy, uh, point about how can you deepen your understanding with your own intimacy by a fucking sex toy, yeah, right. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's a great idea. Um, explore that. Explore yourself a little bit more than um, uh, as you continue down this journey of like better understanding yourself in context of romantic relationships. That's right. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. Put stuff in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. I guarantee you it's going to feel 2020, really good. <laughs> put stuff in your de- butt. <laughs> I was going to say by a fleshlight or like a cock ring or something, you know, both. Why not all of those things? Right. And why not? Yeah. Um, uh, I think that there are, uh, there are thousands of ways that we can explore our own intimacy with ourselves. And I don't just mean sexually. So I think this is a Mm -hmm. great time to explore this as well as practicing, putting up your boundaries, practicing sitting with the feeling of being of disappointing other people um, and, and giving yourself space to heal from this heartbreak. Give yourself space mm. from this girl. 
do you put up mm-hmm. a no contact. Oh yeah. Black, 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 yeah. black. Bring it back to I our I think you roots. asked us if you should talk to her, but like, no, you should not. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Black, 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 black. Bringing it to our black, 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 black roots. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Episode three. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay, cool. I think that was, I hope that was helpful. Um, halting and confused. I am so glad you wrote to us and thank you for listening. Good luck. We love you. Thank you. All right, everyone, that brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think that you're really going to like. And this week, our blind date is... A book that I'm currently reading that was suggested to me probably a dozen times over the last year. Um, And it's called Attached, the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. It's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And it's called Attached, and it breaks down what we have talked about on and off for the last few years, which is um, our attachment styles in relationships, whether we are anxiously attached or securely attached or um, what are you, the distant one? Uh, what's it? Oh, uh, avoidant, avoidant. Yeah. I just couldn't remember mm-hmm. the word. Um, sorry, that wasn't a dig. I really just forgot the word. <laughs> um, I, and it is so far so good. I'm about a quarter of a way into it, but I am going to recommend it because I've thoroughly enjoyed it so far. And, um, so many of you have recommended it to me. I bought it because, you know, if, if some of y'all listened to the recent, um, the, our last live show that came out in April, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my own, my inner child and how, why I'm so anxious, um, attached in my romantic relationships, why I'm always filled with fear that my partner's going to leave me or that they're, once they discover who I truly am, they're going to, they're going to stop loving me. All of these, these uh, feelings have been like, um, boiling up inside of me during fucking terrible quarantine. Um, and I want to, I want to examine them because it's on me to heal those inner wounds. It's on me to know myself better. Anyway, so far, so good. Great book called Attached. Again, the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. Check it out. Love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into your DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our two-year anniversary. Just Break Up turns two. On July 18th at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern, you can get your tickets at JustBreakUpPod.com. Please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you can get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's Patreon.com slash JustBreakUpPod. This literally helps keep the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, in this time of great disconnection and loneliness, being seen is powerful. Being listened to is invaluable. Make sure you are being filled up as much as you are being emptied. You are connected even when you are alone. We are all becoming stronger and healthier together. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>